morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to episode number 31 of the coaching staff. Mr. Viss, I've got three uniform numbers this week, sir. Do you want to take a guess here? I've got two baseballers and one basketball player. Famous number 31s. Because was was Jamal Lewis of the Ravens? Was he a thirty-one I running back? Don't think he was on the list. Didn't that, make the list. Yeah, huh. yeah. Oh, basketball. Are we talking like old school? Are we talking a little bit more um, of the modern? Uh, right in our prime time, high school, college, young adulthood. Huh. Because I was going to say, you know, I was thinking back of the Celtics. Is it that? That type of era, or no? Uh, no. Uh, give, you, give, you, give you a hint. Okay. A very, very famous sister. Oh, Reggie Miller. Reggie Miller. There you go. Okay, uh, and then baseball. Yep. You said you had two baseball. Mm-hmm. Who Both are we, are we looking for for that? Because I, I try to think. It wouldn't be Roberto Clemente because he was yep. earlier. Yep. Huh, 31 for baseball. Dave Winfield? Dave Winfield is one. Huh. The other one is perhaps definitely, uh, again, same time period as a Reggie Miller. Uh, okay. One of the best pitchers of that era. About Steve the same. Carlton? Nope, Steve, Steve Carlton, too old. Too old. Um, Greg Maddox. Greg Maddox is it. You went three for four, buddy. Man. Three for four. That is impressive. I, better, I think I'm heading off to the casino. I'll, I'll talk to you later. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Uh, Rita, I'm putting the mortgage this month on uh, red. So here we go. Oh, all right. Well, hey, uh, great job, Tony. That's good, that's good work, buddy. Um, every once in a while, I pull a rabbit out of the hat. Yeah, every once in a while, a blind squirrel finds a nut. So There you go. Uh, episode 31, and we thought we'd talk about, uh, we're, we're getting to that point, and I know I'm working on this right now, building a quality summer schedule. Uh, and, and we're going to focus mainly on, and, and we may dive into this very briefly, uh, but we'll probably come back to it later on. Uh, what uh, We may f- slip into, you know, like open gym skill sessions, but what we want to focus on is team camps, developing your team, well, the things that you should be doing to planning out for, for planning out the schedule for your team and going to play other schools in, in quote unquote, and I'm using air quotes here, Tony, competitions. Uh, they're, they're not going on your resume. And if they are, we need to talk. Uh, so, uh, so, you know, we, we wanted to talk about, uh, cause you know, right now, uh, late March, early April, uh, I know we're working hard on, on our schedule. I got it pretty well set up. I uh, just need to, uh, talk with other coaches and, and yeah, we'll talk about that in a little bit. So, uh, Tony and I, I, I got about five or six bullet points here. I, I think I started off last week, so I'm gonna let you go this week, buddy. Uh, yeah. what, what do you got first? Well, the thing that you know we kind of always have to factor in there is the AAU time during the summer. Um, one of the things you're going to run into as you get to uh, the month of July is you run into that open recruiting period. Mm-hmm. And for us, um, we have, I don't know, anywhere from 15 to 20 guys that play AAU basketball. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm talking program-wide, not just varsity. Um, and so we really kind of get after it in the month of June. 
And, you know, in, in my hat's a little bit different now. I used to have, obviously, the hat that you wear where you're looking program-wide and different things like that. But for me, um, it's really kind of already dictated for me. Like, we host a press-off league here at Kennedy on Tuesday nights. And so that will take up uh, the Tuesdays. And then we try to wrap her up before uh, July 4th because, obviously, you run into, you know, the open recruiting July 4th with, with mm-hmm. the holiday break and stuff like that. Yep. Uh, yep. But we get anywhere because we'll play two games a night on those. And we'll get anywhere from about 13 to 15 games out of that. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's kind of the first thing that happens. So freshmen, sophomores, uh, we have two different divisions there. Each one brings in eight teams. And you play like your – I'm sorry, yeah, eight teams. And so you play like your regular season um, – during those first handful of weeks and get, you know, kind of your, your, your uh, regular season in. And then after that, you get seated for the tournament and then you play our, uh, the opening night game. You'll play your, your first tournament game. And then based off of that, you're either in the semifinals or you're in the consolation. And so that's kind of our first thing that we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, uh, we're in the process of organi- organizing our shootout. As of right now, we are recording this Sunday night, March, what is it, 26th, Tony? Yep. Yeah, uh, it's 7.03 p.m. Uh, we have three slots left open. So if you hear this, and, and we'll be dropping this tomorrow morning. Um, if you hear this, uh, if you want to sign up, come to Fort Calhoun for a day of hoops. Uh, we'll be doing that June 15th on a, on a Thursday. So, uh, But when when one of the major things that I look at right away, Tony, is being really conscientious of our parents' pocketbooks. Uh I want to keep things as affordable as possible, and a, a big part of that is, I, you know, I have a, a ballpark figure. I, I try to keep my summer expenses at around about $100 or less for each one of my families. Now, if we choose, and, and we'll talk about this in, in a bit, if we choose to take a bigger trip, so to speak, uh, if, if, if we... Uh, you know, then then that's going to be more expensive. But that's also something like I'm going to say to them months in advance. Hey, we're planning on doing this. So, but overall, I try to keep it down to about a hundred dollars per player uh, for the summer uh, to get everything done. And again, I you know during this time, obviously not to delve too much into politics or economics or whatever, but coming out of COVID, inflation has been rampant. It's affected a lot of families. Most, you know, most families are affected by it in some way, shape or form, including my family. So I try to be really conscientious about not putting my parents in a tough situation of having to write a check that they are not you know, it, it, that makes it tough at home, I guess would be the best way to say it to me. So uh, that's my number one thing. Yeah, and one of the things, you know, kind of uh, building off that a little bit, uh, we end up, we, I think, he, if I remember correctly, I think uh, between the different camps that John runs, and he runs uh, two different weeks of camp. And so there'll be uh, elementary, middle schoolers that will come to that. And then he charges, I want to say, 80 bucks per player uh, for our four-day-a-week workout and then to play in our league on Tuesday nights. And so he kind of has a pot of money, and from that pot of money, then he will pay for if we, like, we're hosting our own shootout, like what you're doing, I think ours is June 24 and 25, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. uh, for both, you know, lower levels, varsity, and uh, boys and girls. So, and then 
We'll make money off of that. And then that money ends up paying for basically all the other shootouts that will go on, that, mm-hmm. the, that the guys will go to. And so uh, there's not a whole lot of that. And so I really appreciate that side of things as well. Just the fact that you do have to keep in mind that, you know, belts are tightening right now in terms of the econ- you know, the economic situation and so on and so forth. And so I think that's a really good thing to be mindful of. Mm-hmm. Um, what else you got, buddy? Yeah, the other thing, you know, and I kind of alluded to this, what I was mentioning earlier, is the shootout thing. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, like I said, we host one. It's a two-day deal on a weekend, uh, Saturday, Sunday. uh, We'll do it at the Team Iowa facility uh, just up the road in Hiawatha here. And so we'll bring in, you know, a bunch of different teams for that two-day shootout, tournament at the end type thing. Um, And so we we usually do, at max, would be a two-day shootout for us. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most of the time, you know, we might go to North Liberty. We might go somewhere else that's close and do a one-day. But it's really, really hard in the summer, you know, with different schedules with work and baseball because Iowa has summer baseball and we state that that has that uh, to get all your guys together. And so you have to be really, really picky uh, in terms of what you're going to go to. But shootouts are really good because you can get three or four really good, really quality games in there. The only thing that's sometimes hard with those shootouts, if you stay local, is you run into pretty much the same teams all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was my next point as well, Tony. Um, you want to, I, I think you got to have smart logistics. I, I think that you have to go close enough to where it's easy for you to get to wherever you're going to play at that day, but it's far enough away that you that you get an opportunity to play against some teams that you don't normally get to play against. Uh, for, for us, we purposefully, obviously we're almost on the Missouri River. Our, our town is physically located literally like three or four miles away from the Missouri River, if not closer. It might be even be closer. I don't know. Uh, but so we go out. And we're going to go about an hour and a half uh, one day and then about, you know, hour 45, two hours the the next day, or not the next day, but at another point, just to play some teams out of our geographic area. And that makes it better for us to see some teams that we haven't seen. And so I think you have to be smart with your logistics. And if if you've got a parent that wants to go, you know, you don't want to take off all the time and go on these three, four, five hour uh, sojourns everywhere. Uh, but you, you also uh, don't want to play the same teams that you're going to see in the season over and over again. I think the summertime is a great opportunity to play a bunch of people that you don't normally get to see. And especially with nothing on the line, uh, it, it, I, I think it's a great opportunity to test yourself in that regard and, and, and see some teams that, okay, we have no idea what, you know, Northwest upshoot state is going to run. Uh, so let's just go out and play them and see what happens here. And, and I think that's a really good thing that you need to emphasize to your team is putting yourselves in those situations of not knowing what's going to happen, having to figure it out on the fly by doing that. A pen and a napkin university videos are just another way that a pen and a napkin can help you become a better coach. Our university video library is constantly expanding with topics ranging from interviewing for a job to full court defense to 25 universal truths about coaching. Our university videos will help you round out your skill set as a coach and help you hone your craft. Videos are $10 a piece with bundling options available. To order, you can DM me on Twitter, send me an email at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com, or order from our website, a pen and a napkin.com. Be sure to check out the A Pen and a Napkin video library. I agree on that. You know, I, I 
was listening. I'm trying to think of the guy who said it, but you know, a lot of times we we teach our kid, we teach our players how to run plays. We don't teach them how to play, mm-hmm. and it becomes like where they're, you know, they get the scout, and we go through the scout, you know, days in advance. With the day of, you go, you shoot around in your walkthrough, and again, you're walking through, you know, there are five, ten different things that they do offensively, and what their main looks are defensively, and then you walk through their out of bounds plays, and sometimes it's just fun to go into the summer where you don't have all of that. You mm-hmm. don't have to worry. You just, hey, we're, we're just going to play here. And, you know, you're not, you don't have all of your sets in either. Yep. And you just let them play because, you know, I'll be, you, you take a look at, there's there's film on everybody. And, you know, obviously there were some games today that had some Final Four implications and stuff like that. And they have so much film that they know all those things. And what it comes down to sometimes in late clock is you throw it to a person and they make a play. Yeah, you know, I, I think if you go back and take a look um, at a variety of things as, you know, as far as stuff goes, that wasn't what we drew up, but somebody else made a play, and yeah. that's that's really what it comes down to sometimes. And I think the summers are a great area to explore on that one. Yeah, um, I, I I I agree with you there uh, wholeheartedly. There, Tony. Uh, I, I also think, and we kind of talked about this. If if you're going to take a trip, and it's good to take trips, uh, but I I think you have to have it well planned in advance i think you've got to give everybody a heads up uh if you're going to make something big and and what i did when i was at my old job is every three years we went out to the university of notre dame and played out there at their team camp so basically if you were a jv or varsity kid for three years or at, at some point in your three-year career you were going to go out to notre dame and it was you know it was expensive logistically it was it was you know, stressful without a doubt. Mm-hmm. And we did some, we did some nice things. We, we did some downtown stuff one year. Uh, we did a Navy pier, I think is what it's called. Another year took a boat tour of the Chicago river. Another time we went to a Cubs game at Wrigley field and you know, the logistics were, were complicated at times, but it was a great trip. And then, and then, you know, from there we went out to, we went out to uh, Notre Dame and played in the, in the team camp for three days. And then we drove home. And I think those things, there, there, there is still an opportunity. Uh, sometimes you do things a little bit differently. But I think if you can fit an overnight, just some sort of overnight into your summer schedule, I think that's a really good thing. It's a great bonding experience for your players. And it's something that they really, really enjoy. Last year we did uh, a barnstorming tour of northwest Iowa. We, went, we drove from Omaha, went up to West Sioux, scrimmaged West Sioux, and then we went over to George Little Rock. And then we went and spent the night in Sheldon. Then we woke up and played Sheldon that morning. And then we came back home. And it was a lot of fun. Kids really liked it. It was a whirlwind, 30 hours. But everybody had a great time with it. And it was a good bonding experience for our team, I thought. So if you're going to plan that trip, and, and, and make sure your parents are aware. And if you're going to do something big, big, you need to start. Like, if you want to do something big, big next summer, the summer of 24, you need to start talking to your important people, whomever they may be, whoever you deem them to be. You need to start talking to them now so that they understand your vision of what you're doing and why you're doing it. And the first time that we did this Notre Dame thing, I had to explain, this is why I want to do it. This is my vision. This is what I'm thinking, uh, so forth and so on. And once once people started buying in, it became a thing that we did. And you know we're, we're still working on that niche for us at the new job but uh that's something that that i you know that we've done in the past before you know i think that's great because they have memories of it you know when they see notre dame on television hey we played 
there, mm-hmm. you know, and so I think that's super important. And you know, don't get me wrong, I think I think team bonding is is good for both uh, boys and girls teams. But in my experience of having coached both, I think that it's more important on the girls' side of it to do things like that. You know, I remember playing, you know, spoons and different card games with them, and mattress surfing down the stairs and things like that. Just you know, memories that I'll have. Uh, stuff that we did, you know, 20, 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. And those are all great things. And, you know, they're like you, like we've talked about before, there's going to come a time during the season where you may have to go back and, and remind them of those things. And, you know, this is why we, we do things like this so that mm-hmm. we can have fun and have that, that camaraderie and build in that chemistry um, as, as you get into those tough times during the season mm-hmm. that again, it's not a question of if, but more of when they come. Yep. Uh, what else you got, buddy? You know, another thing that we've done around here, and I don't know if we'll do it as much this summer that has worked well, um, you know, John's John's brother is a Division II co- coach uh, up north of us. And so there have been times uh, a night a week where we would have college players in and come in because we have Mount Mercy here and Co. and different things like that. And we're starting to put out a few more uh, college players on the boys' side of things and just have them come in and play our guys. And that's been really, really good as well. You know, just, hey, you know, it's Wednesday night. Um, I think it's basically a call your own. The coaches aren't there um, and you just let them play. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's that's healthy, too. It kind of builds that that connection and guys that we have now looking at guys that play collegiately and some of those guys that play collegiately coming from our program. And, hey, this could be you one day. And so hopefully, you know, you give them the, that idea. But I think that's a, a great thing to do as well, where you connect that and, and show them, you know, the type of athletes and commitment and level that they need to get to if they have those dreams of going on and playing four more years down the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anytime you can get that exposure, I think that's a, I think that's a really, really good thing. So, um, here's another one that I had, Tony, and I think it's really important when you're putting together your summer schedule, it's not just about your schedule. You have to be conscious of a lot of other people's schedules. You know, like for you, I, I know John's got to be conscious of, of baseball and, and Kennedy baseball. Uh, for us, we don't have summer sanctioned sports in Nebraska, but we, you know, obviously the volleyball coach wants to get her team ready, the softball coach, you know, so forth and so on. So as as I put together my schedule, I really tried to think of, okay, is this going to, not only is it going to be good for us, but what do I need to put together to make sure that it's, it's good for uh, the kids and their other sports? And uh, for, for our situation, we have a lot of kids playing uh, uh, like a club softball you know a, a lot of our softball in the spring and uh, in the, in the summer or all of our softball in the spring and summer is club associated and and so we, we have to be aware of that uh, there's a little bit of volleyball so forth and so on so uh, and you know we we need to as I as I've said before we need to share our kids we need to share our athletes and and so it we have to be aware of well, softball's planning on doing this as a team this day, so we're not going to do anything. We need to wait, and, and vice versa. And, and I think it's really important that you, you sit down, you have good conversations, everybody gets on the same page as much as you possibly can, and you make sure that everybody is supportive of one another of their summer schedules because you, you, you have to get along. And, and if you think you're going to get your way all the time, 
you're crazy. You've, you've got to be willing to work with other people. And I think this is a good way to give and take with your other coaches on staff and to show them how willing you are to work with them by being open and communicative with them on, on your summer scheduling. And if you are getting your way all the time, it's not healthy. Correct. And, you know, when you, when you go through and you take a look, if there is a conflict, the one that ends up losing is the kid because you're putting in the student athlete in the middle of a relationship where two adults can't get along. And that's not modeling the way that, that things should work. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the things with, with John where he'll sit down with our baseball coach. He'll sit down with our football coach and they'll make sure that those kids aren't getting put in the middle and that everybody hate. Cause usually football, you know, they'll, they'll go to, Kingston or they'll do their OTAs early in the morning. Uh, Then we have weights after that. And then baseball has them. If they're going to do like they, they, I think they play like 39 games if I remember correctly. Um, But on game days, they got to get the field ready. They got Mm -hmm. to go over scouting report and do a little bit batting practice. And then we'll get them uh, from about 11 to one. And do we expect them to be there all the time? Absolutely not. And on game days, do we expect them to go up and down the floor? Absolutely not. Um, We, do want them to come in and be seen by their teammates and get some free throws up, get some shots up, you know, just, just some things to show each other, Hey, we're in this together. And that's one of the things with, with, you know, with our school, it's really kind of nice, even though it's in the largest class, we do have multi-sport athletes and our kids get a really good experience where they aren't forced to pick. And so I think that's just really, really healthy. And then, so that's the first part of it where you have to communicate with the other coaches, but the other thing you have to do, and I think you kind of, uh, you know, touched on this as well, is you get a conversation with your kids, you know, because if they do have a travel ball situation, whether it's, you know, baseball, softball, or, you know, AAU basketball, or they're going to seven on seven or whatever mm-hmm. for football, is you've got to see when they're available and, you know, and, and make sure that you work with their schedule too. Because again, you want to show everybody, hey, I value you. Uh, you want to give them not necessarily all the same looks, but you want to give them fair, consistent looks, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, as far as the summer and things like that go. And so there's just some conversations. There's a lot of legwork that has to be done, you know, and I would, I would encourage you to have the conversations with the kids first, kind of get your, your ducks in a row, so to speak. Then as you go to meet with the other coaches, then you have a pretty good idea rather than going in there in the dark and just kind of, well, I think I need the kids here. Well, you need to know that before you go in and talk to your other coaches so that you're not wasting their time. Yep. Uh, and, and with that, helping out with that, um, and with that scheduling part of it, Tony, here's something that, that I've gone to. We try to do all our stuff, unless we do an overnight. Uh, we try to do all of our stuff Monday through Thursday during the day. And that, that frees up evenings if they've got club volleyball, if they've got, you know, especially for like a lot of our kids, softball. Uh, if they've got AAU practice, they, they go to the evening, you know. Uh, and so we try to we try to clear it up for those times. Uh, and, and we try to avoid weekends. We try to, you know, moms and dads, we know you sacrifice a lot during the season. So, hey, we're Friday, Saturday, Sunday, all summer. If something's going on, it's not basketball. It's not us. Uh, we want you to have those three-day weekends uh, free, especially during June, which is when we do most of our stuff for, for the school. And so for me, it's it's really important that we do stuff Monday through Thursday during the day, if at all possible. 
Uh, and I know not everybody is able to do that. Not everybody is a teacher. If if you if you're if if you own an insurance company, whatever. If you have a a nine to five job that's year round, you're not a teacher. So it's hard for you to to come into the gym during the day. Maybe you you prefer having leagues on a Tuesday night because you can be there as the coach. I get that. I totally understand. For us, that seems to have worked out well, and I understand that I have that perspective because I am a teacher and I'm not working in the summer. This is my summer job and this is what I'm doing there. So um, I've got one more thing, Tony. How uh, how about you? Yeah, I just got one more as well. Okay. Um, I'll go ahead and go first here real quick. Uh, I I think as you're putting this together, I think you need to find, uh, I think you need to find something that fits your level of your abilities. Uh, If you think you're going to have a pretty good team, I think it's good that you try to find places that's going to be challenging for you. Uh, if, if you don't, if, if you're a rebuilding program, if you're struggling a little bit, uh, if you're inexperienced, maybe a little bit, I, I think it's really good that you, you find some team camps that maybe not, will, will not be as strong so you can build up your kids a little bit and find that, that right level of competition for your team. For, for us, we're not going to go out and play West Des Moines Dowling. We're not going to drive over to Des Moines and play West Des Moines Dowling. Or we're not going to drive into to Omaha and and play some of the big schools in Omaha. We're, that's not that's not our level of water right now. We need to find teams that are going to challenge us, but yet we're going to be competitive with and have an opportunity for success because you need to build your kids up in the summertime. I think it's a great time to build up your kids' confidence. And I, I think you got to find your, your level of water is, is, a, is my last thing that I want to say about putting together a quality summer schedule. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And a lot of the places that you go to, they have that on the sheet that you fill out to register. You know, what, yeah. what level do you want to play at? You know, and I know uh, Coach Amsbury up at Wartburg College, uh, when he does his girls team camp, you know, it's not like WNBA college, high school, whatever. He just has it as colors. Um, and so I think that's that's a good way to look at it, too, rather than, mm-hmm. you know, elite or whatever. You just, you know, hey, this is the blue league. This is the orange league, so on and so forth. And, you know, and the one thing I w- would encourage coaches, and I think you mentioned this, Marty, is to challenge your team some. Yeah. You know, if, if you're a really good team, you know, you probably don't want to put down that you're going to be mediocre so that you go in there and you win games by 20, 30 points. That doesn't do you much good. And it sure doesn't do the teams that you're playing a whole lot of good either. Um because you want to get a few extra wins in the summer, you know, like you touched on as we were getting ready to start, you know, if you're putting your summer basketball win loss record on your resume, you need to have some, you need to have some therapy. Um, <laughs> and then one other thing, you know, that I would throw at, and I know we've kind of gone at this a little bit differently. Um, but one other thing I would throw at too, is that with your camps and things like that, like your own personal elementary, middle school, uh, those types of camps where you're bringing in kids in the community, I think it's important to have your players to staff those yep. and work those. Yep. Um, I saw a thing the other day, it was talking about, you know, like with teaching and different things and your ability to retain information. And one of the things that really jumped out to me, coaching or teaching someone something that you know you will retain at 95% level. So if you have to teach, you know, say jump stops, you have to teach a reverse pivot, or you have to teach how to shoot, you know, a right-handed layup or whatever the case may be. If you coach that to an elementary or a middle school kid, you know, depending upon skill level and stuff like that, you are 95% 
going to be able to retain that. So now as you get to your level, if you teach something like that, and so I think that's huge. And then also it gives them an opportunity to kind of rub shoulders with you. Um, you know, whether or not you know it, you might be their hero. Yeah. Um, I remember my kids growing up when they would play basketball and stuff when they were younger, they would pretend that they were players in our community. Um, they wouldn't, wouldn't pretend that they were Michael Jordan or, you know, LeBron James or anybody like that, but mm-hmm. they would pretend that they were the players in our community. And I just think it's really, really cool for kids to go back and to give back in that way um, and just be that role model, both on the court and off the court that, that I think that these young people, these young, young athletes are, are needing and looking up to. Yep. Anything else, buddy? I, I think we've nailed it. I think we did a good job. Yeah, I think we touched on a lot of good things there, um, you know, and, and hopefully uh, somebody was able to get at least one or two, perhaps even three things from this that will aid them as they put together their summer schedule. Coaches are absolutely loving our taking over a new program booklet. As many of you know, I spent two years outside of coaching, and during that time, I hung a note card in my workspace at school that said, strip the house down to the studs. I took that time to really rethink and reorganize my thoughts on what it takes to run a transformational program. As I prepared for the possibility of coaching again, I organized these thoughts into this 96-page booklet. How much do I trust this booklet? I used this booklet as I went on interviews to help sell myself and my vision for what my new program would look like. If I'm using it to sell myself, why wouldn't I recommend it to you, my listeners? This booklet will help you look at any part of your program, no matter what stage you're at in your program, and help improve it in some way. It's all yours for only $15, which includes shipping and handling. For more information, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. There it is, Tony. Your favorite progressive rock band from Europe. They're called Europe, Tony. And they—that's <laughs> quite t- clever. Yeah, huh? That's quite clever. I know. I, I know. They—they—they uh, they are psyched. They—they—they uh, they, they are ready. They are ready they to, to make their Nebraska debut. They've—they've they've never played a show in Nebraska, and they will be in Fort Calhoun, Nebraska, uh, six days from now. Six days from now, uh, this this coming Saturday, and this will be our last coaching staff podcast until uh, or, or until after the the the, the coaching clinic is over. So, uh, coaches, if if you haven't, and, and I sent some stuff out, uh, but if you are still planning on attending, or if you would like to attend, and maybe the the check hasn't cleared from the school yet, or whatever it may be. Shoot me a text, uh, DM on Twitter, send me an email, a pen and a napkin at gmail.com, whatever it may be. Let me know if you're coming or not. And the biggest thing is I got to get an accurate head count for the food. I don't want anybody to go hungry, but I don't want to order way too much food and pay for more stuff than I need to pay for with it. So uh, just let me know if you're going to be there. We've, we've, we've got uh, registrations are really starting to, to pick up here. Uh, so, so please, please, please let me know. So, Tony... It's 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 been a scramble to try and find an opening act. Uh, cutting crew said we're cutting out of here, man, and and I, I'm on my last legs here. In honor of March, do you have any idea 
who I asked to be Europe's. This is my final attempt to get an opening act for for Europe. Do you know who it was in honor of March? Oh, I, I I don't on honor of March. I know. I'm trying to think who sings one shining moment, but yeah, I, I cannot think of it. Originally, it was Luther Vandross, I believe. Yeah, that is true. That is true. Then they switched it up. Yeah, it is the English new wave band Madness. Get it? March Madness. March Madness. Yeah, yes. that's that's good. Our house in the middle of our street. Our yeah. house. That is where we used to meet. Our house. Great song, by the way. Uh, it is. So. I, I, got, I got my fingers and toes crossed, buddy, that we'll have madness in the house for the Appendant and Napkin Coaches Clinic this coming Saturday. So, we'll see. Um, trivia. All righty. Well, you know, I've, I think people have started to hear your, your complaints about my <laughs> trivia quality. And so <laughs> At least one person has, apparently. By one of our loyal listeners. And so, uh, if, if uh, you don't get this one... You cannot blame me, but you might be able to blame genetics. So here we go. Okay. Um, if you've been following along in the men's tournament, all four number one seeds got knocked out. Yep. All right. There has only been one year in the history of the NCAA men's tournament where all four number one seeds made it to the final four. You know the year. Oh, oh, okay. Two thousand and five. Incorrect, but that was that was a really good first guess. Uh, am I too soon or too late? You are too soon. Then I'm going to follow that up with 2006. 2006 is also very, very close, but like 2005, also incorrect. I think then I'm going to go with 2008. 2008, is that your final answer? It is my final answer. You pulled a rabbit out of yes! the hat yes! on the very last one. Yes! I was hoping you were going to say 2007, but doggone you, Marty. Yes! Yes! Was that, that was Florida's second back-to-back, wasn't it? Oh, was it? that is a good question. I believe so. Um, I'd have to go back to my phone because they, mm-hmm. they sent it to me via text mm-hmm. uh, to double-check and make sure. But I figure if I were to do something like that with my limited tech <laughs> skills, I'd probably end up hanging up on you. It'd be a very awkward end to episode 31 of the <laughs> coaching staff. Uh, I'll, I'll check real quick. Okay. Uh, um, I think I think it was. Um, I'm pretty sure that was like the... Yes, uh, Kansas-Memphis. Oh, no, it was Kansas-Memphis, North Carolina, UCLA. Okay. Florida was 2006-2007. So. Ooh, so just one earlier. Yeah, so, yeah, all right. Well, hey, that was, I, I, I feel good. I feel good, so. You should. Yeah. I thought we'd get a Marv Albert impression out of it. Yes, and it counts. There it is, Patrick Ewing. There we go. Yes, Bernard King, Trent Tucker, <laughs> Ernie Grunfeld. Louis Orr. <laughs> it was a great one. Yeah. Um, 
brackets. We're, we're, we're on our, our last week of brackets, buddy. How's your bracket doing? I believe my bracket, if you were to go into Google Images and look up dumpster fire, <laughs> uh, it, would, it would be there. <laughs> you and about everybody else's. Uh, oh, man. We know we've got, you know, Miami and... The Miami-Texas game just wrapped up uh, right before we started recording. Yep. Uh, so we got Miami. We have San Diego State as a five. Uh, I think Ron Burgundy might be announcing that <laughs> game next week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That that escalated quickly. The, the Aztecs, who fought the Germans in World War Two, you know. Um, no, it... Uh, uh, I, I don't know how, how, how far or, or how much we want to go about it. Obviously, being in Omaha and everything, um, you know, it was a tough one today uh, for, for Creighton. Uh, just And, and, and you, you, you win, you lose. Um, just as a basketball guy, I, 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 have a, I have a hard time swallowing the, the, the way that that one ended. Um, I, I, I just – that was an extremely, extremely physical game. And to have a final four, a, a final four journey for for one team to to end because of that, um, I, I looked up on Omaha.com, uh, Tony. Uh, they only shot seventeen free throws that entire game, and they called twenty two fouls. They probably mm-hmm. could have done that in the first half. They could have done that in both halves. Um, and to to have the game end on on a in that game, uh, and the way that game was played, to have that game end like that, just just and and I would say that if it was the Texas Miami game, I would say that if it was the Florida Atlantic K State game. I mean, it's, it's not just a. I mean, it, it I hits a little bit closer it, to home. I think you would say it if it was on the other foot too. If sure. San Diego State lost that way to Creighton. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think you're right. I think a little bit more. And again, I'm not saying this as a believe it or not, folks. I'm not saying this as a homer. I, I think I do a pretty good job of separating uh, my own fandom from, hey, you know, that's that's the way the game should have happened. Or this, like, you know, I know one of the things that Creighton's going to look back on is is uh, you know that stretch about 15 minutes left in the second half to about eight nine minutes left in the second half, and they had a chance to stretch the lead to 10 or 12 points. And they didn't do it, and and I think that's going to be the number one thing. And often, you know, we always go back to the final play and we look at all that stuff. But there were plenty of opportunities for for Creighton to extend that lead during that stretch, and they didn't do it. And I think once the emotion of the situation is removed, I think that's going to be their number one thing. But I just I just have a hard time ending a season on something like that. I really do. I really do. You know, and the one thing that we have to be careful of too, because if we you know, and I, I'm not saying that you're doing this, but if we get caught up into, hey, blaming the officials or blaming this, that, and the other, you know, I don't know if that's the right lesson for kids. But in this situation where, like you're talking about, the fact that, hey, for 39 minutes and 50-plus seconds, this is the game, the way the game was refereed. And then all of a sudden on the last one. Now, if they had called that foul minute one of the game and consistently called that a foul throughout the game, I have no issue with it. Yep. But it's the consistency of it because, you know, I've heard some people, well, you can't let it end that way. You know, you want the players on the floor to decide it. And, you know, I, I don't 100% buy that either. If it's a yeah. situation where you've called that foul throughout 
and the players are used to that, then by all means, call that foul there. But when you haven't called that foul consistently throughout the game, and then all of a sudden on the biggest play of the game, you call that foul, that is extremely tough to swallow. And I know I know Coach Mack a little bit uh, from his time when he was at UNI. I was coaching in Hudson at that time. And I know Greg's not going to make any excuses. Um, you know, he's not going to throw the officials under the bus or anything like that because, you know, kind of like we talked about, basketball is one of, if not the toughest game to officiate because of the size of the players, yep. the speed that they move yep. at, yep. and the consistency of it and, and different things like that. Um, but I just, the, the whole thing of where, you know, kind of where we're going here is you just got to cons- consistently call it all the time. And yep. I just have a hard time where people talk about, you know, um, well, that's how it's it's called in the in the tournament. I just I don't know. I think basketball is like an art. There should be some freedom of movement, yeah. and it should be you know officiated consistently, whether it's November or whether it's March. Yeah, and and I really believe like if Nebhard would have gone up and he hits him on the elbow and he goes up, you, you know, like you said, Tony, I don't think the, the officials should swallow their whistle and let the guys beat the crap out of each other the last five or ten seconds of a game. I mean, you can't have that either. But, you know, it was it was just an inconsistent call based on the way that the game had been played up to that point, which was essentially the entire game, the, the, yeah, the entire game. I feel bad for Nemhard too, because he had been on the receiving end of a lot of stuff that was worse than that and yeah. was not called. Yes, absolutely, without a doubt. They bodied him and... And 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 rightfully so, they disrupted uh, Creighton's offensive flow uh, for for the game uh, because they you know they just couldn't get their motion and stuff moving because they were badgering him. We called that a badger, you know, just go up and badger the ball, badger the ball handler. Uh, that's the actual word we use in our vernacular, and and they did a good job of of taking that away. But they also, like I said, twenty twenty two total fouls in that game. 17 total free throws. Okay, so be it. It's 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 a tough and rumble it's a rough and tumble game, but man, that's that's a that's a tough one for me to to swallow as a basketball person. And yes, I understand. I am from Omaha. I, I do have ties with the, the the Creighton program and I'm not going to to walk away from that, but I I just don't buy the well it was a foul. Well, then they missed about 100 foul calls that entire game on both teams on both yes. teams and so if, if that game would have ended that way and it was it was this uh november 26th i would have said that's a bad call you can't end a game like that as well so let me be clear on that so um so we got our final four here tony yukon uh versus miami florida atlantic the owls against san diego state uh what's your bracket looking like in our little 14 bunny bracket here I think UConn's gonna is gonna raise the banner at the end. Yeah, um, they've looked the most impressive so far, um, you know. And I just think Danny Hurley does a really really good job, and I think he saw it coming. There was a a clip of a press conference he gave, and he's like, "You better give us na- give us now because it's coming." Mm-hmm. And I think it's coming is here. Mm-hmm. Yep, 
Yep, I, I, I think they look awful good. I think it's going to be San Diego State. I think it's going to be – I think San Diego State's going to give them a good game. And, and, and don't sleep on mm-hmm. Miami. I mean, obviously, these four teams have won four games, so you can't sleep on anybody yeah. at this point. But I, if, if, I had to, if I had to take your mortgage payment this, money, uh, this month, Tony, and go over to uh, Harrah's or the horseshoe across the river, I'd say uh, UConn and San Diego State, and I think UConn's going to end up winning. So um, how about the women? Um, you know, if, I said this from the beginning. Uh, if you gave me South Carolina in the field, I'm taking South Carolina. Um, you know, I, I, the women's game is becoming more, there's more parity to it than yeah. what it used to be. Yeah. Um, but I just think that Don Staley's got something special down there. I mean, they're undefeated for a reason. They won it last year. Um, they may even be more impressive this year. Uh, but I, that, that's that's kind of my feelings on that one. Mm-hmm. I do too. I, I think the final four here is going to be, LSU and I and I wrote this down even before the the Miami LSU game started. Right now, LSU is up ten toward the end of the third quarter. Um, I think Iowa's going to win. Hopefully, I didn't jinx it there. I'm knocking on wood right there, buddy. Um, and then I think uh, Virginia Tech and South Carolina are going to win. I think it's going to be South Carolina and LSU in the final, and I think South Carolina is going to win. That's 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 what I got. But I think if there's any team that is kind of equipped to beat South Carolina. It's somebody with Caitlin Clark who can just be really, really efficient offensively and and make it very difficult. And there's, uh, you know, Cezano, and, and they got a bunch of shooters. And if those kids get hot, they just they don't have to beat them in a, a seven-game series. They just got to beat them in one game, and that's all that matters. And so I think Iowa's probably the team that's most equipped to beat South Carolina if anybody can beat them. Yeah, and I think the thing, you know, if, if Caitlin was just a scorer, I'd maybe worry a little bit more in that way. But mm-hmm. I think the best part of her game, in all honesty, is her passing. Yep. And so if South Carolina, you know, and they're going to have to give her some attention because she can score 30, 40 points. Um, but if they give over help uh, with her with her passing, I think she can pick them apart. Uh, but I just don't know if Iowa has enough to get them. But if all those players we're on at the same time. I think a team like Iowa who scores a lot of points in South Carolina can be offensively challenged at times, not, yep. not a lot. Yep. Um, it would be somebody like Iowa that, that could pull off that monumental upset. Yep. Uh, Iowa's got enough skill that if they get them on the right night in South Carolina has a night where they struggle to score. And you're right, Tony, there's times where they struggle to get to, 55, 60 points. Now, they're great defensively. They'll, they'll hold their opponent to 35 or 40. But Caitlin, I mean, she, she's just a different breed. She's just a different breed of cat. And, uh, you know, like you said, not only with her own scoring, but the way she sets up other people to score. So I, I agree with you there. So anything else, bud? No, I just want to wish you well on, you know, this coming weekend at the, uh, you know, coaching clinic. I wish I could be there. Uh, we ended up... Um, situation where with Easter coming up, they push some assignments up on me. So I've got to have those done. And so I will be spending next weekend trying to finish up a, my, my action research paper. I got well, two other sections I got to get done, but would love to be there. I think you've got it. Great setup. Some Iowa coaches, some Nebraska coaches, the breakout session. And then the other thing I think that'll be really cool. And I hope a lot of coaches take you up on this 
is going out on that coach's social and watching some Final Four and just, you know, kind of kind of letting the, the weight of the world. It's, it's just a game to watch, to enjoy. You're not coaching this one. You don't have the stressors of it. Um, but I think that would be that would be a, be a great time. Tony, what's more important, me or your education? <laughs> Obviously you. Okay. Uh, but I do got to get this crap in. <laughs> yeah. All right. I suppose if you want to make more money, you know, I'll let you do it. That's that's fine. Uh, Hold me to be in there in 2024. All I will, right. I will I, do my, my dead level best to get out there next next spring. Sounds good, buddy. So, all right. Well, hey, episode number 31, uh, building a quality summer schedule. A lot of good ideas. We threw a lot of good things out there. Um you know, just just put together the best that, that you can and, and kind of take some of the tips that Tony and I talked about here uh, this week to to help build your schedule. If you're a younger coach or maybe you're an experienced coach and you're thinking about doing some things differently or some new concepts, new ideas. If you're struggling to get kids in the gym, if you're struggling to get kids to, to leagues and to camps, take some of the things that we talked about and, and consider that. Uh, Again, sorry, Chad Angel, not able to make it, not able to pitch in on this week's episode, Chad. We're really sorry. I know you're on hold. Next time we'll get you on, buddy. So, coaches, as always, let's be sure to own our craft one day. <laughs>